the Jets have been eliminated from playoff contention before Thanksgiving. We break down the 34-28 loss of the Chargers, dropping gangrene 0-10 and keeping the tank for Trevor alive. We'll look ahead to the matchup with the Dolphins, talk about burgers, turkey, and what Jets fans should be thankful for this Thanksgiving. Kaz and I also chat with SNY anchor reporter and Jets pre- and post-game host Janae Coakley about making entertaining content in a winless season and her husband Scott Burrell's role in the last dance. All that and more next on Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome back in, everybody, to Gangs All Here, our New York Jets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown and Brian Costello here. You can follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio and at Brian Cost. Subscribe to Gangs All Here wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon. Give us that five-star rating and write in a nice review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, we appreciate your support, and we'll bring you two episodes all season long. The bias past Thanksgiving coming up. Janae Coakley is going to join us later in the show. And in the middle of the show, I'll give you what I'm thankful for as a Jets fan. So you might want to hear that because it's it takes some time to come up with things to be thankful for with this team. And cause the Jets fall to 0-10, losing to the Chargers. And you saw a lot of signs of an 0-10 team. And it started on the first pass attempt. And it started on the first, you know, touchdown. They score, they miss the extra point. Flacco throws a pass. It's a six-yard interception return for a touchdown. Ficken mixes another extra point. And then later in the game where they make things kind of interesting, a sign of what this season has become, they just gave up. Braxton Berrios made it a normal punt return on that. Uh, the, the safety on the punt. Didn't even try a Music City miracle. Did nothing. And the Jets lose 34-28. More of the same for this team, Kaz, who now has been eliminated from playoff contention. You can say they were eliminated before Thanksgiving, but you could also say they were eliminated before Labor Day. But for real, mathematically out, even with the extra playoff spot. And Kaz, that makes it 10 seasons without a playoff run. The longest is 11 from 1970 to 1980. They had sex, drugs, and rock and roll back then, and afros and disco balls, and no Twitter. Times were more fun. You could deal with 11 years of no playoffs. Now it's right in front of your face. So another frustrating loss this week, although the tank for Trevor is still alive. Yeah, I disagree that they quit, Jake. I thought, you know, I was I thought they were going to quit at 21-6. I, I thought that I'm like, oh my god, this is going to be 55 to 6. <laughs> you know, I, I the way Herbert was slinging it. So I give him credit that they didn't quit and they came back in the second half. Berrios, I mean, I'd have to talk to him. I just think he didn't he didn't see where he could throw the ball to anyone. Um, you know, the chances of that play working is below 1% anyway. Uh, but the drought is 10 years. And I think the more damning thing to me, Jake, than even the drought being 10 years is they haven't contended in five years. You know, 2015 is the last time that they were even in the playoff race. And then obviously they lost in Buffalo that day to miss the playoffs. But since then, it's, you know, 5 and 11, 5 and 11, 4 and 12, 7 and 9. And it was a 7 and 9 season where that started out uh, 1 and 7. So they weren't in contention. And then this year, 0 and 10. And, you know, we, it used to be where they're going to get eliminated by Christmas. And now it's, are they, they're eliminated by Thanksgiving, which I, I even I haven't, I haven't seen that before. So yeah, it's, it's not good. 
Um, but I, obviously, if you're in the tank for Trevor crowd, I think you're still happy. And I think the last two games have been good for that crowd, right? I, I mean, I don't know, Jake. I think you're you, you're a card carrying member. It hasn't been. You know, they haven't been embarrassing 45 nothing losses to the Patriots and Chargers, sort of like what was happening in the beginning of the year. But in the end, the Jets come up short and you stay on track for that number one pick. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's nice to see them compete. I think that's good. They were getting blown out so much that it is good to see competition. So I'll give them that. And Kaz, you know, they did pull off the classic Jake Brown backdoor cover in the yeah. end there. They got it down to six. The spread, I had it at plus 10 and a half. They did cover. I'm a big backdoor cover guy. It, it was ugly, but they did cover. But Joe Flacco, more or less the same. 15 of 30, 205, two touchdowns, and the pick six. And the interception I threw was really bad, was his quote. The rabbi also leads the bar mitzvah. Uh, the priest leads leads the church. Uh, I mean, the most obvious statement ever. Sam Ficken coming back from injury was not good. Missed two extra points. Maybe he gets cut. Sergio Castillo was pretty good in his absence, so maybe they just go with Castillo moving forward. Not that it really matters. But, yeah, you're right. It's good to see them compete, and you really feel, and I know you guys talked after, to Frank Gore. I mean, this guy's 16 NFL seasons, Kaz. He's going to be 38 in May. Could be his final year. I know Jets fans are mad he's he's getting a bulk of the carries. P. Ryan hurt the ankle a little bit yesterday. Did have a touchdown, which was nice to see him get in the end zone. But Frank Gore, if you want to go out on top, 0-16 is not the way to do it. 1-15 really isn't either, but you got to feel for a guy who's third in the all-time rushing list to be on a team this bad and maybe not get picked up next season. Yeah, and you can count on one hand, Jake, the number of players that are as respected as Frank Gore in the NFL. Like You just talk to people. They gush about the guy, and the Jets love him. The Jets players love him. The Jets coaches love him. They feel like he's been very good for this team from a leadership perspective and done some good things. I think that's part of the issue. I know fans want P. Ryan to get 30 carries a game, but you know Frank Gore is kind of a tone setter for them. He Look, look at that first drive, three rushes for 24 yards, gets him down there. P. Ryan gets the touchdown, but Gore did the work to get them down there. I, I do think you know P. Ryan, I think the Jets' plan has been to use P. Ryan in the second half more, and that hasn't worked out. Last, the last game against the Patriots, they had – Four plays in the fourth quarter. This game, P. Ryan hurts his ankle in the second half, so he doesn't really play. Uh, but you, you have to feel for Gore. You know, this is a guy who's been a pro bowler, been to the Super Bowl, number three all time, like you mentioned. And this is just a brutal way. If this is the end of his career, it's a brutal way for him to go out. Yeah, you hope somewhere someone picks him up next year on a winning team, Super Bowl contender, because you feel bad for the guy. For all he's done to be on this team and then potentially not get picked up anywhere. That's kind of like super depressing. But it's like, you know, you, you were eating chicken parm your whole life, and then you're stuck with a salad in your last year. I mean, no one wants a salad. Let's be real. Um, so poor Frank Gorin. An interesting note after the game. I'm curious what you think, because I find this bizarre. And, you know, your, one of your, you know, beat writer colleagues, Rich Samini, asked about this. And why is Dowell Loggins calling plays and then Gase's, you know, communicating them to the quarterback. I just don't understand why there's a need for a middleman. It seems like it's a little extra and unnecessary. I'd like just one guy to get it. Why is there a middleman here? Did you watch the Chiefs last night? Uh, yes. So did you see how the Chiefs work? Andy Reid calls the play to Eric Bieniemy. Then Eric Bieniemy calls the play to Patrick Mahomes. And this is going to be a big thing with Eric Bieniemy because it's going to be, you know, he's going to be a head coaching candidate. Eric Bieniemy is the one who calls the play. They, 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 Reid and Bieniemy talk. Reid calls the play. Then Bieniemy calls it in. It's not uncommon. And especially, Jake, a lot of times teams have things like, you know, I know when Rex was here, Rex would sometimes 
like Patton or Dennis Thurman would call the defense most of the time, Rex would take over in the red zone or Rex would do third down or Rex would do two minute drill. And that's what Gase, I think Gase said he does. He contributes in two minute drill and third down. So it's, it's not as, it's a collaboration. It's never one person calling the plays per se. I mean, there's one person has to make the decision on the play, but there's always a collaborative effort to it. It's not that uncommon. Uh, like I said, the Chiefs, I know, are one that does, does, that does it for sure. And I think even if you don't, even if they're not doing the one guy, the one guy to the quarterback, they're still, you know, they, they wear a headset for a reason. They're all talking and on the sideline and contributing usually. So to me, I mean, if there was like six delay of game penalties yesterday, I think it would be like, oh my gosh what are they doing like they're, they're, the play isn't getting in but I didn't see any issue with that you know and I think Gase could have helped himself if he came out and said yeah I did take over the play calling at halftime because the play calling was a lot better in the second half than the first half yeah well I, I didn't understand his reasoning of how it helps in two minute situation what did he say about that well he because I think he's involved in, in the two minute play calling so I think rather than him not being doing that early on like throughout the whole game if he just jumped in in the two minute drill that might mess things up up the works but this way he's involved in the whole game and i also think he gets to he's the head coach he has veto power if he doesn't like a play call he can override it you know and i think uh, i know there was a play there was one a few weeks ago where he called a timeout you know where there was a play he didn't like and changed it so to me it was a much much ado about nothing it was because cbs saw, thought that he took over the play calling but this is what they've been doing for three weeks he said i think to jake when the they switched against buffalo and i think that game gase was like okay i'm just gonna let dow do this and i'm going to be completely hands off. And if you remember that game, they started out pretty well and then they did nothing in the second half. That was when they had the, like, what was the crazy total of yards in the second half, six yards or whatever in the second half. So I think he, I think after that, he looked at it and said, well, you know, this should be more of a collaboration than me just saying Dow will go ahead and do it. So I think he, he's kind of been a little bit more involved in that first game. Yeah. Well, it's becoming a collaboration of failure and Mike Westhoff, you know, he's right. The exterminator will be coming in because Kaz, no one is earning the job and especially Greg Williams, the defense. I mean, Keenan Allen just caught his 47th pass right now. Uh, I just got a report in that 47 catches, 16 catches, the most ever by a Jets opponent, 145 yards and a touchdown. Justin Herbert, him and his pimply face and 13-year-old haircut went 37 of 49 for 366 and three scores. I mean, Greg Williams' defense, it doesn't help when you have rookies in the secondary. I mean, they had a couple of rookies starting in the secondary, but, man, this defense might get torched the rest of the season. They got to play the Dolphins, Raiders, Seahawks, Rams, Browns, Patriots. Most of those teams are going to score uh, 25 plus points every week it seems because there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of bruises watching this defense cast. Yeah, they can't do anything right now Jake because they have kids in the secondary that really shouldn't be playing. Maybe Bryce Hall might develop into a good cornerback at some point but he's not there yet and Lamar Jackson's an undrafted free agent. He shouldn't be starting as a rookie. Uh, Asha Davis probably shouldn't be starting as a rookie. Third round pick. He should be playing but not starting and right now if, if you watch what they're doing they're just playing zone a soft zone defense. It's what they've been doing all year really when you get a set when you get savvy receivers they're going to find holes in that zone the Jets can't pressure up front you know how close did they get to Justin Herbert yesterday I think they sacked him twice but you know most of the time he had plenty of time to throw and if you're going to play that defense you've got to have some pressure and the the Jets don't have anyone that can pressure right now I mean the thing that jumps out to me Jake is just how much work Joe Douglas has ahead of him and I know he has nine picks I know he has a lot of money but there is not one area of this team that you feel good about right now uh, like one unit where you say that that unit's okay. There's players here and there. 
couple players that you feel good about, but you can say he needs to remake the wide receiver group. He needs to remake offensive line. He needs to remake defensive line, linebacker, secondary, quarterback. <laughs> it's probably going to be remade. You know, there's nothing where you're like, oh, yeah, the Jets are set right with that group. That's their strength right now. So that jumps out to me watching them. And the other thing is there's nothing on this team that scares an opponent. You know, I just imagine, like, what are the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator for Jets opponents doing right now when they look at this team? Because usually what they do, Jake, is, you know, on Monday, Tuesday, when they're watching the film of the other team, they, they figure, okay, it's the classic Belichick take away what the other team does well. You know, all right, we're not going to let them do this. Well, there's nothing about the Jets on either side of the ball that you're worried about right now. I know what opponents are scared of, Kaz. Players not knowing the rules. Nathan Shepard, the quarterback, gives him out <laughs> and slides into the grass. The play's over. He goes after and tries to hit him after. That's the most obvious roughing the passer. How do you not know that? I mean, that is just a brain lapse of an 0-10 team. When a quarterback gives himself up, you don't hit him to five seconds later. Nathan Shepard, that is inexcusable. And if this was Joe Judge's team, he'd be running about 10 laps on Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't good. They, they have 12 roughing the passer penalties, Jake. I mean, oh. that's, hard. that's hard to do. I think the next team has five, something like that. They had five again yesterday. And some of them are, like, questionable. You know, roughing the passers, uh, uh, hit the guy in the legs, you get called for it. Or I thought Jordan Jenkins yesterday, that was a little bit close uh, on Herbert. But yeah, Nathan Shepard roughed the passer. <laughs> that, that was a pretty easy call. And yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing, Jake. Like you said, 0-10 teams, do 0, they, they do 0-10 things. So that, that was what that was yesterday. The tank for Trevor is still alive. And, you know, everyone's watching now. It's all about the tankathon, cause And you know, you talk about a win, you you don't want to go in 16, you want to win, but, you know, with how bad the Jaguars are and them going with essentially like a fourth-string quarterback, what it seems like the rest of the way in Luton, I mean, they play the Browns, Vikings, Titans, Ravens, Bears, Colts. The only under 500 team there is the Vikings. The Jets have the Dolphins, Raiders, Seahawks, Rams, Browns, Pats. So when we joked about that Week 17 game against the Patriots, meaning the world, I mean, it wasn't a joke. It's real. There is a chance that if the Jets win that game, they lose Trevor Lawrence. Belichick's going to let us win on purpose. So the Jaguars don't look like they're anything close to winning a football game. So really, if the Jets do win a game and, you know, Frank Gore doesn't finish 0-16, it might mean fields for the Jets or it means they keep Darnold and trade the pick. Uh, that's going to be the ongoing discussion we'll have after Thanksgiving for the, the month of December. We'll be talking coaches and, you know, the tank for Trevor. But, Kaz, it's, it's scary to think that one win could do the trick. That's how bad the Jaguars have been right next to the Jets. So if the Jaguars could win one more game, you have a little breathing room and you're able to win a game. Because I don't know, Kaz, if that strength of schedule number is going to change enough for those two teams to flip. Just lose, baby. Yeah, that's the key, Jake. That was the strength of schedule could flip because the Jaguars are playing some pretty good teams. Like you said, the Titans, the Browns, the Ravens, Colts all have good records. So, you know, did you major in math at Hofstra? I, my mom's a math teacher, but I had a major in it. No. Oh, so you're good. At, so you're good at math then, mental right? Math. I'm pretty good at mental math. Yes. Yeah. See, I am not good at math. That's why I write. So, but the, the, so the strength of schedule is hard to figure out because you basically have to figure out every result out there for all these teams. So, but it's close. So it could flip, and especially with the Jaguars playing the teams they are, but the Jets also are playing some really good teams that if they keep winning, their strength of schedule isn't going to suffer. So yeah, I think your best, your best hope right now is that, you know, if the Jaguars could somehow beat the Browns this week, which I, you know, the Browns are seven and three, but I don't think they're not as good as they're a sloppy seven, seven and three sloppy seven. And yeah. Three, yeah. Then they got the four and six Vikings. Maybe they win that one. The bears, who knows what they are. And then you have some breathing room. Like you said, if the jets somehow 
fall into a win. Now, I thought, Jake, that this game this week with the Dolphins, when I was thinking, like, I've been asked a ton of times, where, where can the Jets win a game? Where can the Jets win a game? I've been kind of looking at this game, and my my theory was that everyone is talking about how great the Dolphins are, right? And like, Tua won three in a row, and they had won, I think, five games in a row, and Brian Flores is the greatest coach since Vince Lombardi, and the Dolphins have rebuilt their team in three months, and they're amazing. So I thought they might walk into MetLife Stadium next week, Jake, feeling that, right? And kind of thinking that they've arrived, and maybe the Jets could catch them with a rookie quarterback. Maybe it's going to be a cold, rainy day at MetLife Stadium, and the South Florida guys are going to come here and get beat. Then they go and lose to the Broncos, <laughs> yesterday and i think that you know that probably is the wake-up call that they needed and they'll probably be a little bit more focused coming into this game now but i still think there's still part of me that thinks the jets might be able to beat the dolphins jake yeah i mean i think there's less of a chance now that they're not riding high and two t was actually benched due to his performance it wasn't an injury and flores has confirmed Tua will start on sunday but not only that they will likely get back miles gaskin who has been tremendous for them in the backfield a little guy but a lot of heart he's been really good on one of my fantasy teams and he was crushing it and uh gaskin is going to come back so that's going to hurt the jets so listen i think uh miami's defense will probably be too much it, the question is cause as we preview this game on sunday 1 p.m jets dolphins at metlife is Will we see Sam Darnold? They keep talking about he's feeling better. He's feeling better. What do you? Obviously, it's too early in the week, but do you think there's a chance he plays? I do. They sounded encouraged. You know, Friday, uh, Adam Gase said uh, they were they were feeling. You know, there was a shot. I think was what he said. So I think they're they feel encouraged that he might be able to. I think it's it's going to be about how he looks. um, You know, these next couple days, can he practice? that kind of thing. You know, I'm curious to see Sam with these receivers because they have made a difference, Jake, in the last two games. And obviously they, something, whatever the hell happened in the first half against the Chargers where they, uh, Flacco didn't throw to them. I don't know what happened there, but in the second half, they, they played really well. I'm curious to see them with Sam and what the offense could look like, you know, sort of like what they planned the offense to look like uh, outside of having Le'Veon Bell. If Sam Donald is back, it, w- it would be a kind of a complete crew. Yeah, Mims has been very encouraging to watch. He makes a couple of really nice catches, it seems like, every week. We always talk about that one play or a couple plays. Well, Denzel Mims has been the Jets' highlight reel, so it's nice to see him. And, you know, he's only going to get better because he, he got into, he like we've talked about week after week, barely practiced in training camp, got hurt off the, sh- off the shelf, barely had any practice. Then Flacco's in, so he wasn't really practicing with Flacco. Now he's getting rhythm. We've seen Perriman and Flacco. They know each other well from the Baltimore days. They've had a little rhythm on that uh, bomb for a touchdown we saw was very nice. So, you know, Joe Flacco took some unnecessary deep balls, but he did hit a couple of them, so that was nice to see. Jets-Dolphins, Kaz, I mean, we'll, we're not. this is our only show of the week, so uh, we'll say we'll make our picks. I'm, I'm taking... The Dolphins, something like a a 24-20 kind of score. I think it'll be close, but uh, I just think the Dolphins losing kind of brought them back to life. I think Flores is going to kick their ass in practice this week for Thanksgiving, and uh, I think with Gaskin back, that is a big X factor for that backfield. So I I like the Dolphins to kind of rebound here and get back in that playoff uh, conversation. The one thing the Jets are okay at, Jake, and I'll say okay, not good, is stopping the run. They're pretty good. I mean, I thought with the Chargers, like, why are you handing the ball off to Kalen Balazs? Like, what are you doing? Like, Justin Herbert could have thrown 10 more passes to Keenan Allen and completed them. Like, I thought they were doing the Jets a favor by handing the ball off. So the Gaskin thing, I think they're, that I, Quinnen, Henry Anderson, 
Jordan Jenkins, they're all kind of good against the run. Neville Hewitt, good against the run. So Gaskin doesn't worry me. I, I'm going to reserve the right to change my mind on this, Jake, because I got to look at it closer as the week goes on, and I don't know who the quarterback's going to be for the Jets. But He's picking the Jets. I'm, I'm leaning toward the Jets right wow. now. I am leaning toward it. Close game, of course. They're not beating anyone by a lot, but I think this is the week. I think the Jets get off the schneid this week. I was like, whoa. Wow. There it is, folks. Kaz has called it a Jets win. Trevor Lawrence is going to the Jaguars. <laughs> there it is. The uh, the Thanksgiving weekend to remember, the day the Jets lost their franchise quarterback. Uh, God bless whoever plays the Jaguars. Uh, please lose. Just lose, baby. All right, Thanksgiving coming up, Kaz. This is a weird Thanksgiving. For me, my parents are in South Carolina, so I'm not going to travel down there. I'm supposed to go to Boston, my brother and his fiance, the land of the Patriots up there. Uh, we'll see if the city MD COVID lines get under four hours because I'm not waiting three hours with people who maybe have COVID um, to get a test. Uh, what is what is your plans for Thanksgiving? Just one thing on the lines, Jake. Did you see the story about the In-N-Out Burger in Colorado? It was 14 hours, right? 14 hours. You could have flown to California, got a cut in and out and come back. That's because everyone's hours. like, finally, we could get stoned and eat in and out. And they said, you know what? We'll, we'll wait 14 hours and we'll smoke in line legally and do it. There you go. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what an In and Out in Manhattan would look like? I, I'll pass. I think it's overrated. By the way, five oh. Five Guys is very overrated. Oh. Five Guys is the most overrated burger oh. in modern history. Five Guys, Five Guys is good. I'm not gonna go. In and Out Burger is tremendous. Like you are insane if you're saying that's overrated. But overrated for 14 hours. I, like, 14 hours. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't wait 14 hours for anything. I, don't think. <laughs> I remember. So. <laughs> I waited. Listen to this. On a cold February day back in like 2003 or 2004. Outside in line at Shea Stadium for the day the Mets tickets went on sale. I think I was in line for seven hours, and by the time we got to the front of line, it was like 10 degrees. We were frigid. Uh, what were you, 12? Uh, I was like maybe 13. Maybe 2004. I don't remember the year. I was like 12 or 13. I'm frigid. You know, they had like donuts in line. I had like a donut. We get to the front of the line, and the Subway Series and opening day were sold out. We ended up getting like a, a Tuesday night versus the Braves, and uh, that was six hours, and that was too much. So in these COVID lines, listen, if I have to have Thanksgiving alone with Boston Market because my brother won't let me come because I didn't get a test, I'll do it because I'm not waiting that long. Uh, in a city MD line, guys. I don't know about you. Well, is there anything you would wait in a long line for? Is there food or anything? I'm trying to think. It's so weird now, Jake, because everything's online. Because like you used to have to wait for concert tickets. Yes. Right. Like that was a big thing. Like go out and wait for concert. I and mean, I kind of, I kind of remember doing that when I was in college. Gosh, what would I? What would I? Wait? I don't think. I'm not sure if there's anything I'd really wait online for that long. Jake, I really can't think of anything. That yeah, I don't think I, I've, I've grown so impatient and yeah. I, I'm not even 30 and I'm already like an old man. I, I can't wait for anything. So anyone that waits that long for like a burger fight. See, I don't think I've had it in and out. If I had it, I was like 13. I went to last time I was in California was like 2005. It was like Mike Piazza's final year with the Mets. And we went to uh, Mets Dodgers and Mets Giants out there. That was way back in the day. So I don't think I've had it in a while. They need to come to New York, but I'll say Smash Burger is my burger spot. I think Smash Burger and then Shake Shack. I think I think those are. What about Shake? What about Shake Shack, Mister Matt? What what, what do you think about? Yeah, I wouldn't wait in the city field line, but I think Smash Burger and then Shake Shack and then Five Guys. I haven't had In and Out, so I won't put that in my Mount Rushmore of burgers. But I guess that would be in there. So. 
I love in and out Burger. You know, when I go wet, like if I said to my wife, because we saw that story. And, and so obviously I would have been in L.A. in a normal year this weekend. And I said Saturday night, I'm like, I would be at in and out Burger right now. <laughs> That's where I would have been if I was. Well, I get off the plane, go get in and out and move on. Animal, sty- animal style, Jake. That's the way to well, go. Well, yeah, I've heard about animal style. What's in the animal style? It's a sauce. There's some onions involved. I don't ask questions, Jake. It just tastes good. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't you know, I'm not getting the nutritional info from in and out burger i don't need that over my head my doctor my doctor listens to this podcast jake i don't you know i, I don't i don't need him calling me up about what i'm, I'm eating animal style he, nothing but salads this week doc no, no in and out burger this is the point of the show alex loves this where i insert the sound effect that says doctor yeah so i'm i'm with you high cholesterol city over here diabetes might be on the way bob brown style coming in maybe five to ten years the way i eat but you know i've been getting swole at the gym anyways the thanksgiving is coming this week guys now on the top Topic of Thanksgiving. Are you a big meal with the family turkey guy? Because in my opinion, turkey is a little overrated. I think we eat it on Thanksgiving and I'll eat turkey sandwiches, but you're not going to catch me on a Tuesday night making turkey ever besides Thanksgiving. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, this year obviously is different. I'm just going to be with my family, my kids, and my wife. We're going to stay home. Under 10 people, of course. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't have to, I don't have that many kids, Jake. Two kids. <laughs> But yeah, so we'll stay home. But yeah, normally big big dinner. I agree with you on turkey. I think turkey's overrated. What the the key to Thanksgiving are the sides and the desserts. That's where you get into it, Jake. Stuffing, mashed potatoes, cornbread. Little yeah, cornbread, some pies. You know that that's the key to Thanksgiving. Um, and then you know, the football slate is terrible this year too. I mean, the night game is interesting, but the Texans, Lions, and Cowboys, Washington is hey, Cowboys, Washington's day. the battle for first place, guys. Don't disrespect the NFC East like that. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go talk about that. Please talk about that on the Giants podcast. Yeah, Jake. we'll talk about that on the Blue Rush show uh, about the Giants. Could be in first place Thanksgiving weekend. So, you know, the Jets could lose out on Trevor Lawrence on Sunday if Kaiser prediction comes true. The Giants could be in first place at 4-7, and seven, and everyone's eating thanks, uh, Thanksgiving leftover stuffing on Sunday Sunday evening. What a, what a week. What a time to be alive here in 2020. Doctor! You know, we're talking Thanksgiving, and coming up next, I will give you a few reasons to be thankful to be a Jets fan in a segment called I'm Thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. It's few and far between, but reasons to be thankful to be a Jets fan in Thanksgiving 2020. Well, I'm thankful for right now the Jets would be the number one draft pick. And listen, that could change over the next month. They could win a game and the Jaguars lose out. Strength of schedule, Jaguars get it. But right now, the Jets would be the number one pick. And that means a franchise-changing quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. And I think he's shown it in college. He's won in college. And he shows us that he can really be something special. And I think Sam Darnold showed strides of it, but never really showed us that he was the guy. And he didn't really show it in college because he didn't have enough playing time in college. He doesn't have multiple years as a starting quarterback in college. Darnold was still being groomed as a quarterback when he got to the NFL. So I think there's a reason to be thankful that Trevor Lawrence could lead the Jets one day to the promised land if they could find that top spot and get it. Number two, I'm thankful that the Jets are going to get a new head coach because I'm sick of Adam Gase's face. I'm sick of Adam Gase after games being snarky with the media. The whole, you know, I need to be a middleman and you need me for two-minute drives and all that. No, just let a coordinator call the plays, get it to the... Quarterback, that's it. We don't need you to be this middleman to approve it or alter it. Why? 
What have you done? You're not a brilliant offensive mind. So I'm thankful that there's only six games, maybe less, if they decide to fire him earlier, which I think they should get a head start on. And we're almost done with the Adam Gates era. We could finally start looking at what's next. Is it Jim Harbaugh? Is it Joe Brady? Is it Eric Bieniemy? I don't know who it's going to be, but anyone but Gase, Jets fans will be happy. And I think that day is an automatic thing that is coming. I do not see any chance they bring him back for a third year. Third off, I'm thankful for a couple of rookies, and that's Makai Becton and Denzel Mims. Makai Becton has shown when he's out on the field, he is Highway 77. He's an absolute beast. He barrels defenders over, and you can think about LaMichael P. Ryan and whoever else they have in the backfield in future years running right behind that left side for touchdowns, and that day, one day, will hopefully come. And Denzel Mims, he showed us that he can make acrobatic catches. He can get down the field. And when he has a franchise quarterback, you salivate at the thought of Trevor Lawrence and Denzel Mims and two draft picks from Joe Douglas that might get it right. I'm also thankful for a ton of cap space. The Jets are going to have a lot of money to spend and a lot of holes to fill indeed, but they'll have the money to fill some of these holes. Pass rushers, cornerbacks, receivers, another running back, help on the offensive line. They have a lot of holes to fill, and Joe Douglas will have the money to do so. And finally, I'm thankful right now. I'm in good health. We're still going strong. We have this podcast. You can all vent with us. Obviously, this year sucks in terms of life and everything going on and the team being garbage. But you have us to commiserate with, and I'm thankful to be doing this show. I will say it gets very difficult every week to watch this team. For the show, I watched the team. If I was a casual fan, I don't blame you for tuning out after the first possession or saying, you know what, I'm not going to watch the game. I get it. There's other things you could find better to do. If it's a nice day, go for a walk, go for brunch, go for dinner, you know, go work out, do other things to get your mind off this team. Come here with us on Mondays. Come here with us with old Uncle Jake, Uncle Kaz, the doctor. Come commiserate with us. We're thankful to be here with you. So on behalf of the gangs all here family, But I hope you all have a blessed, happy Thanksgiving. If you're with your loved ones, enjoy it. If you're not because of COVID-related reasons, enjoy yourself. Take a deep breath. Enjoy your meal. Be thankful that you're here. You're in good health. You're alive. And you got to appreciate the little things. In 2020, a lot has gone wrong. But the future will be bright. And I want you to keep your heads up. Appreciate the little things in life. And stuff your face, man. Forget your diet. Forget everything. Stuff your freaking face with so much food that you, you might throw up the next day. I want you to eat every piece of food you possibly can this Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for you, the listener. Thank you to the listeners of Gangs All Here for supporting the show, subscribing, rating, reviewing, tweeting me, tweeting Kaz. Thank you for your support all season. I know it's tough to listen to a team when they're 0-10 and can't win a game, but we're thankful for you listeners. We appreciate your support. Have a happy and blessed Thanksgiving, everyone. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Joining us next is a longtime SNY sports anchor and reporter. She hosts the Jets pre and post game on SNY. She debuted a new co-pilot segment where you can catch Wayne Corbett and Lavernius Coles, a couple of Jets great receivers. And I say longtime SNY reporter because I was in college as an intern in 2012 when she was making sports night packages. And I was, you know, writing notes for the Mets game that was going on at like 10 o'clock at night. Uh, and getting Cafe Duke for Gary Apple and some healthy, healthy, uh, you know, coconut bar that he wanted that had like zero calories and a lot of protein. And when you look at this, she's now a guest on Gangs All Here with the New York Post 
eight years later. What a world. It's the great Janae Coakley. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Janae Coakley. Janae, welcome to Gangs All Here. Jake Brown, Brian Costello, how are you? I am great, but you just made me feel really, really old right there. Listen, <laughs> you still look young. You're still killing it. Um, me and Kaz are here without hair, so if anything, we look older now. Um, I'll be 30 in February, so I'm, I'm getting oh, up there now. Oh, wow. You're really... Really getting up. What are we going to do? The big three of the (laughs) pandemic birthday, you know, eat eat six feet apart. It's going to be great. It's going to be the greatest bottle popping ever for my birthday uh, for the big three. I don't even know what bottle popping is even more. (laughs) It's a baby bottle. In in 2012, you knew for sure. Eight years, you know, makes a big difference. I'm I'm getting up there. I can't drink like I used to. So um, it's great to have you on the show, Janae. Good morning. Your new segment, Co-Pilots. Talk about that with us, because I love Lavernius Coles, and I love Wayne Corbett. He went to Hofstra. Hell of a start with those two receivers, and the Jets could use a couple of great receivers like that, huh? Oh, yeah. It was actually kind of funny, because with the bye week coming up, and post-games are getting very interesting, and pre-game is getting even more interesting. So um, we're like, what are we going to talk about to keep fans, you know, involved and exciting? So I did a segment with Wayne Corbett. He told the funny story about Lavernius Coles. I'm like, oh, that would actually be kind of cool to hear those two talk about their friendship because I actually didn't realize they were that close. I thought it would be Wayne and Vinny. But then to hear the stories between Wayne and Lavernius and the Louis Vuitton bag and, like, Wayne was his Michael Jordan, it was just, like, great stories. And then I got my next segment is Joe Klecko and Marty Lyons. And you want to hear some great stories there. Those are even better. And then I got Bruce Harper and Wesley Walker. And I didn't realize that. Bruce Harper is the godfather to Wesley Walker's son. So we got some really great segments coming up, and it's just fun to kind of relive those great moments with these Jets players and these stories these guys tell are unreal. When are uh, Braxton Berrios and Vincent Smith going to be on today? <laughs> um, we're working on that in February. February. I just think I, I, I always laugh when, like, it's a nostalgic segment. It's great. like, But it, it always just underscores how bad things are right now when oh, you hear I know. the stories of just that, like the, the old days. And it's funny because even the Jets, like, those, those teams didn't even win titles. But people, I think, now look at the early 2000s with Wayne and LC or the 80s. You're talking about with uh you know with Klecko and marty and think about some of the great the better teams that the jets have i won't call it so say great because they didn't win the title but now it's just so depressing i mean how challenging has this year been for you janae both with the product on the field being what it is and also the restrictions of covid as you know i mean it's been so hard because usually you can go into the locker room and get to know these guys and all the guys that we're used to knowing are all gone between avery steve mcclendon slowly but surely they're getting so now it's hard to like get a feel of these young guys and to get to know these guys after a game when they're 0-6, 0-5, 0-7, talking to these players who have no clue who you are just through Zoom, it's even harder because they're like, I don't want to talk to these people. So this has been, obviously, for a lot of different reasons, one of the toughest years to cover this team because you can't get a feel of any of the players. You can't go in the locker room. And then when they're losing, what player wants to talk to you? And what exactly do you ask him afterwards? I mean, they're running <laughs> out of questions to ask. Yeah. And we still got six more games left. I know. Yeah, we're we're listen, we're in the business of trying to entertain Jets fans too in podcast form. So you take care of the video, we got the audio and it is a difficult uh position to do, you know. We we got to come up with creative ideas. We got uh, Kaz was playing the role of a therapist and me and the crazy Jets fan. Uh I did a Jets rap last week. Who knows what's next week? I might act out like a scene out of Shakespeare. I mean, we got to find ways to keep uh the listeners entertained. So that's got to be difficult. I mean, 
I like that you, over the years, create kind of packages and stories that surround the player's family and, you know, interesting things about their life. That also is tougher to do during COVID. You can't go to, you know, someone's ranch and hop on a tractor and do a funny, you know, segment like that. There's a lot of, a lot of restrictions that you can't do, but you are, you got to find the family side and the human side of these guys to get away from the 0 and 10 and everything on the field. Well, that's just it. Like, that's what I like to do because I'm married to a coach. I understand that there's more, like, when people are like, got to tank, these guys are tank. No player and coach wants to tank and lose these games. They have pride. They want to win. And I see the amount of time and energy that a coach puts into a game plan and, and these players. And so it's like I love to tell the other side of these stories, but I can't do it. And I also do these getting to know you pieces where I ask the random questions because that's when you really get to learn about a guy, like their personality, who they are. And again, with COVID, you can't do it. And with an 0-10 team, you really can't do it either. So that has been such a challenge to getting to know and to show fans these guys. Like I said, no one wants to go out. I mean, Jets fans want these team to lose and get that number one pick. But none of these guys want to do it. It's just not. I mean, come on. What are you looking for in the last six games from the Jets? I know, Jay, like you just said, Jets fans want losses. But what are you looking for to try to, you know, looking ahead to next year? I love this young group, Kaz. I mean, I think Douglas hit on Makai, which, I mean, obviously that's the best thing you trust to do. I love seeing Denzel Mims out there now. Can you imagine what this team could have done the first six weeks? I think the, the games could have been a little closer and they might have won a couple more. Denzel would have been healthy. I want to see more Lamichael P. Ryan. I'm not really sure what he doesn't get. But I love, like I said, I just want to see these young guys because I think the Jets have a good young core. I know fans don't want to hear that. Like, They've been waiting forever for this. Why is it this year, next year, next year? But I love these young guys. I mean, I don't know about you, Kaz. You like, I love seeing what these guys can do in the next couple of years. Yeah, no, I think it's been encouraging. You know, and P. Ryan hurt his ankle yesterday, or I think you would have seen him a lot more in that second half. I still think their plan is Gore early and P. Ryan late. That's kind of been their plan. And something seems to always happen in the second half that blows that plan up. And it ends up being a lot of Frank Gore. But, I, you know, let's see how serious his ankle injury is. You know, he had an ankle injury early in the year. I don't know if it's the same one. But I agree with you. I can't remember um, the last time the Jets had a rookie class that got you excited this late in the season because it's usually, you know, maybe one guy or two guys, but they, they seem to have some guys who could be part of the core here. I think Makai is the real deal. I little concerned that he can't stay on the field. Um, he left the game for a while yesterday with a knee injury, but Mims is coming on. And I thought Ashton Davis played his best game yesterday. Uh, he was all over the place, made 12 tackles. So no, I, I agree with you. I think the rookie class is promising. That's not going to win you many games this year. I don't think <laughs> I it was, know, I Justin Herbert had a field day against those cornerbacks yesterday. So I just don't know. I feel I kind of just feel bad for the veteran players and the coaches trying to come up with a way to win these games. I know that's just, you mean Kyle Wilson, that class can get you excited. Cause? Steve, Steve, Steve. <laughs> Even Stonehands Hill didn't get you excited? Guess yeah, not. I was just going to say Stephen Hill didn't get you, like, fired up. His first game did. Remember his first game? I don't remember. What did he do his first yeah. game? I his don't remember. Game, was it against Carolina? His first game was against no, – his first game was against Buffalo. He had a monster day. Uh, hold on. Let me look Wait, it up. Now I need to know because this would be his only monster yeah. day as a Jet. So. Yes, I yes. Know. Well, that's, like <laughs> – that's the thing. I think he scored – I think he scored two touchdowns that day, but he only scored, like – Four Hill? touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, his, his entire career. Only two touchdowns for the whole season. Are we mixing up? Year? Came up with Tyree Kill, cause that's a classic mix-up. Let's let's. <laughs> see. 
All right, yeah, Stephen Hill versus the Buffalo Bills on September 9th, 2012. This was his first game in the NFL. Five catches, 89 yards, two touchdowns. There you go. Stephen Hill's career, Stephen Hill's career, he had four touchdowns. So he scored half of them in his first game. (laughs) There you go. And and you said 89 yards like it was 189. It was still like He's a rookie. Like, look, oh, well, hey, we're all going – Denzel Mims crazy. Denzel Mims hasn't had 89 yards yet. I know, so but it's, it's... If Denzel Mims had five catches for 89 yards and two touchdowns in the current climate, we'd be like, he's going to Canton. He's going to Canton. Solid point, Cos. See, Cos, <laughs> you can tell Cos has been covering the Jets for a long time now. 20, September 2012, that was weeks after I ended my internship uh, at SNY. So how about that? That's a, that's a lifetime ago. Um, Janae Coakley is with us here on Gangs All Here. Follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Janae Coakley and check her out on SNY. All right, you mentioned it. Your husband is Scott Burrell. We know everyone watched The Last Dance and your your man's was on there before he was uh, your man's. And uh, can you let us know what you thought of you know Michael Jordan's reactions and how he partied and I guess... Got a lot of ladies and uh, stayed up late and didn't sleep much back in the day, huh? (laughs) Well, first of all, I think I was in high school, Scott was, when that was being filmed. So I didn't even know Scott until fast forward 20 years later. Two, he was 27, playing with Michael Jordan in the NBA. I really hope he had a good time. (laughs) Like, I really am hoping as a 27-year-old NBA guy, a single guy was out there having fun. I think it's as bad as what people, as what Michael wanted to make it sound, because like Scott will say, it was his first year there. He's like, he was scared to death just to make a mistake. He needed to learn the offense. Like, I wasn't doing anything because I was so scared to mess up. He's like, this is a team that's been together this whole time, and here I am trying to learn this offense, just trying not to mess up. So I thought it was awesome, though. I mean, who doesn't like watching Michael Jordan? Like, wasn't that? It was just so cool to see how this man, like, prepared and how, how what a doggy dog, you know, attitude he had. And then to be able to watch it with Scott, who was part of it, like, it was just such a cool, cool experience. What was like, you're sitting next to him watching it. Like, can you give us, like, the live play by play of how your husband is reacting to this? Or, like, where there was no profanity yelled at the TV, there was nothing uh, screamed at by your husband. I would have loved, like, a live tweeting play by play of you watching with him. I-, I wish I could tell you that, but to be honest, I'll tell you, I'll tell you some behind the scenes um, information. Um, I had actually seen Scott's clip when he first started dating so like six years ago. He had already there. He already knew the role he was going to play because obviously he lived it and he got to see some of the raw footage. And Scott was laughing the whole time. He was on the phone texting with Michael, like, dude, I can't. And then Michael actually texted like, I hope I didn't get you in trouble with uh, your wife. I'm um, just joking. And Scott was just like, no, no, no. You know, maybe the girlfriend back then, but not the wife. But he just, it was fun for him to relive it. Like, he was like, I remember that play. And, and obviously, Scott was like, obviously, Michael liked me or else he wouldn't have put me in the show as much. <laughs> because Scott was there one year. There was guys that won all five of the championships but barely made the cut. So he's like, Steve Kerr got punched in the face. I didn't, I mean, Michael just ripped me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was just, that's how it was. So it was fun to watch it with Scott, but it wasn't as, it was more Scott was really excited to watch it and relive those. The good old days. That the, the last dance was so huge, Janae, because we were just in the early throes of the pandemic, and there was nothing else going on in the sports world. Yeah, no, right. Um, and so it was, it was really like just a monster show. Like I, I don't even know what could compare to it. What was it like for you guys? Like when it blew up, and when Scott's 
segment blew up and uh, I imagine he was getting calls from every radio station in America. Like I was a little pissed because dude, I'm the one who's like the TV person and my dream was always to be on Good Morning America, ESPN. And then all of a sudden this kid gets bullied by Michael Jordan and (laughs) everybody's calling him. Like Robin Roberts is calling him. Like Hannah Storm, Jay Harris. Like every single day we were like setting up shots and it was just, it was crazy, but it was fun. You know what I'm saying? So I kind of got my five seconds of fame just because I married to him. So <laughs> and plus I get to be on this podcast because of it. So there you go. See? Yeah, the, the critically acclaimed Gangs All Here podcast, you know. Right, so, you know what? I got to love it. Robin Roberts, Jake Brown. They've been I mentioned in the same sentence many times. Yeah, I'm going to add that to my tombstone, actually. Um, you should. See, I appreciate you wanting me. Of course. Well, you know, you've, you've been in SNY so long, and you work also with the likes of Bart Scott. Now, what are the commercial breaks like with him? Because that man, I can imagine, commercials can go off the rails, and it might be better for off the airwaves uh, in the commercial breaks. What do you mean off the air? Have you seen him on air? Oh, yeah, that too, <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's, so I do the Thursday show with him, and oh, my God. First of all, half the time he's not wearing socks. Half, second time, like, I don't know if you watched last Thursday's show. His phone was going off in the middle of the show, so they had to cut to Chad real quick. Mark gets on the phone and starts talking like why Chad is. He's doing them Amazon. He owns some Amazon truck. Um, he's just a riot. He is, so he's always trying to do business, like, during the show. Half the time he'll come on and his mask will still be on. Like, he's just awesome. Like, and you just never know what's going to come out of his mouth. That's the best part. Like, as a journalist and as an anchor, like, that makes it fun because, like, wait, what did he just say? Like, Bart can't say that. What has the time at SMY been like from back when, you know, you were there almost when it started to now? Uh, what kind of growth have you seen? Now you got Steve Cohen in the mix with the Mets. I, I'd imagine that's going to boost SMY through the charts. We'll see one day if he ends up buying it. He's got so much money that's like he wipes his ass with a billion dollars. So, um, I mean, what's, you know, what's the evolution of SMY been like and what do you see it kind of becoming here in the coming years? Well, I mean, so this is my 11th year with SNY, 11th season. My first year with SNY, the Jets went to that AFC championship game and well, that was the last time I've ever seen of a winning season. Because <laughs> I know I think you're a year behind me or before me. Yeah, what, year, what was you, 2010 was your first year on the beat? Yeah, so 2011, yeah, I, that AFC yeah. championship game was my first. Yeah. yeah, I came right after that. I came in 2011. I've enjoyed all the – I've enjoyed the full drought. Oh, you, you weren't there for the playoff year, Kaz? No. Oh, I did goodness. 2008 because I did 2008 filling in for Canizero, who was ill that season. And so I did 2008, and I, I did the collapse of 2008. And then I covered the hiring of Rex, I, the drafting of Sanchez, and then Canizero came back, and I went back to the Yankees for 09 and 10, and then I went to the Jets in 2011. Oh, so you got a Yankees World Series, and then you come to the yeah. Jets and don't see the playoffs ever again. Yeah, right? in 2010, the Yankees went to ALCS, I believe, and, and lost to the Rangers. And then, yeah, yeah, it's, it hasn't, I haven't seen a playoff game on the beat. And it's your fault. Yes, it's your fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can draw a line. You know, what What changed in 2011? Me. That's what changed. Um, no, as far as SNY, like, it has been, when we started in Iowa, my first year, we were at, for most of, like, for the first eight years or seven years, I don't even know, we were at 50th, I'm sure where you were, um, was it 50th and 6th, right across from Rio City Music Hall? Yep. Yep. And then we we're down we're downtown now on Four World Trade Center. I don't know if you guys have been to the new studio. I've been. I've been. It's beautiful up there. Yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous. 
um, actually, uh, Good Morning Football is taped in our studio, the Mets studio. So, um, but it's just been fun. I mean, it's funny because we joke because there's the Mets side of SNY and there's everybody else. But we've got so much more programming. We got to cover UConn, which is great for me living in Connecticut. Well, he lives in Connecticut, Jake. You know um, the love of their UConn Huskies here. That's all, um, that's all they got. I mean, there's no professional team, so it's all UConn. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm known more for our coverage on SNY and UConn and being married to Scott Burrell than I am known for uh, Jet here in Connecticut. It's hilarious. I'm like, I don't cover UConn. <laughs> You're at SNY, home of the Huskies. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah, it's a it's a good niche, and you know, I'm one of my good friends is Maria Marino, and she's she's all over okay. the uh, the UConn beat as well. So you guys are killing there. You could catch Nate Coakley, Jets game plan, pregame, postgame, S and Y, the co-pilot segment. Check that out. Uh, on her Twitter now at Janae Coakley. Janae, we uh, we love catching up with you, taking a trip down memory lane a little bit, and uh, you know enjoy the rest of these six games. We're almost at the finish line, and uh, we'll get to twenty twenty one soon. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for having me, and have a happy holidays. Same to you. Thank you, you Janae. Janae. Thanks. That says sayonara to episode 51, the Jonathan Vilma edition of Gangs All Here, our New York Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Alex Camerata for helping me on producing the show. Give us that five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts, please. We appreciate your support. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back Monday recapping Jets, Dolphins. Will they win a football game? Have a happy Thanksgiving, folks. And as always, stay safe out there.